is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everyone, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 533, recorded on Tuesday, May the 25th, 2021. Welcome to the show, everyone. I hope uh, you're having a great end of May. Jason, how's your end of May going? So far, so good. So May-wise. <laughs> as far as Mays go, <laughs> not bad, eh? Yeah, it, you know, the weather's nice. I spent the weekend uh, making food, eating food. Enjoying the summer? Well, not really the summer, but almost the summer. Yeah, it's technically not summer yet, but this is my favorite time of year because we are leading into summer. The weather is, you know, finally nice. In fact, it's been downright hot the last couple of days or or week here where we live. And by hot, I mean, we've approached 30 degrees Celsius. We're over 30 today. Were we officially? 30, 32. Holy. I remember the, the CBC was saying 32, high of 32. And I, every time they said it, I said 32. And it was entertaining my family. Well, I'm, I'm sure it was. But like 30, 32 degrees, 30 degrees, that's 90 something Fahrenheit for our American friends. So it's pretty hot here. Feels nice. A little hotter than usual for May, but I'm okay with it. And uh, it's my favorite time of year because the weather is, is good. The NHL playoffs are on, so I'm watching hockey all the time. It's exciting. It's even better this year because the Toronto Maple Leafs, my team, are in the first round and so far doing pretty well. Somebody in the, what was the captain took a pretty big hit there in the last game or two games ago or something, right? In the first game, yeah. Uh, John Tavares, the captain of the Leafs, he, freak accident, um, but he got knee, he, he was knocked down and as he was falling, he, he took a knee to the head. Oh, and it snapped his head back. He has a concussion. He was in rough shape on the ice. Uh, It was a very scary injury, to be honest with you. But all indications are that he is doing well. He's going to miss some time, but he's he's recovering. He's out for the the playoffs, right? I would not be surprised if he is out for the entire playoffs. Yeah. Now, that may depend on how deep the Leafs go, right? Because we're only in the first round out of four, if you're going to win the Stanley Cup. Um. But he's he's certainly out for the time being, but it looks like he's not going to have any you know lifelong long term effects from this, oh, which good. is which is great. And it was like you say it was uh, like I know nothing about this other than it happened. So you're what from what I'm hearing, there was no malice there. It was just a freak accident, uh, you know, a terrible hit that uh, nobody intended. Yeah, freak accident. I mean, a normal, pretty normal body check. Uh, in open ice, he went down and he was sort of spinning around as he went down and another player, it's a very fast game. These guys move quick. Another player was coming towards them. And as he went down, his, you know, head just happened to be at knee height of the other player. The other player made some attempt to get out of the way, but he couldn't fully get out of the way. And his knee just got him right in the forehead, basically. And it snapped his head back and, uh, uh, gave him a concussion and he was, obviously woozy on the ice, but sounds like you'll be all right in, good. you know, eventually. So that's good. That's good. But anyways, nice weather. Hockey's on my TV. My team <laughs> is playing and everything's good. I will not uh, lie to anyone. I have the Leaf game on the TV right over here right now. So I can keep tabs on that while we do this. Oh, well, good. There's a game on tonight then, I guess. There is indeed. There is you indeed. got money on the game? 
I do not bet on hockey, really, no. No. I watch a lot of it, but I don't bet on it. All right. That's good. All right. And, you know, speaking of this, we are here actually here to talk about Fear the Walking Dead, and it will be season six, episode 14. Now, Jason, normally, as pointed out by a listener a couple of weeks ago, we weren't doing the ratings so much for this show, so I'm trying to rectify that by talking about the ratings, but... It seems like the show is a little bit against us here because for some reason I couldn't find the viewership numbers for last week's episode yet. And that's really, really weird because normally they're out a couple of days, maybe yeah. three after the, uh, after the episode airs. But here we are all the way, you know, a week later in episode 13, JD, there isn't any viewer numbers for, I don't know why. Maybe uh, maybe they have to hit a certain threshold of viewership before they post the numbers. <laughs> it was so low that they're just like, nah, we're no, I'm not, we're not doing that anymore. Well, do you remember what the episode before was? It was under a million. It was nine hundred ninety-eight thousand or something. Like yeah, that. it was point nine nine million. So it was under a million, and that was the lowest episode of any Walking Dead show of all time, if I'm not mistaken. Again, I'm not hundred percent sure about. Uh, world beyond, but pretty low regardless. So under a million. And then all of a sudden the next episode doesn't have numbers out there, or at least I couldn't find them. So a little unusual, but I can't unfortunately report the numbers for last week's episode, JD. Yeah. It's like a movie, not, uh, not releasing the movie, their movie to critics before, uh, the premiere. Right. It's like, yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna let anybody know, let know what's going on with this movie until we start selling it. Yeah. The only thing about that though, is I feel like these ratings numbers are managed by an independent third party. So, uh, you know, I don't think it's up to AMC if the numbers come out or not, but I don't know for sure. Maybe they have some sort of influence. I don't know. Oh, so you're, you know, if they're independent, they're also incompetent probably because we all know that all independent, uh, you know, tallying companies are all uh, run by uh, and uh, populated by incompetent people. Do, do we? We know that? I don't know. I'm making it up right now. All right. <laughs> I mean, I like to think of myself as a third party, but really, uh, most likely I'm part of the man structure. Like, you know, the man. Yeah, I do know the man. Beware yeah. the man. Don't let the man get you down. Uh-huh. I'm that guy. I'm part of that structure. I'm trying not to be, but I probably am. But you, uh, you, you also like to think of yourself as incompetent. Oh yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. And that, yeah, that's not really a lie either, because it, it's that whole I don't feel qualified to do anything. Like, who would let me be a parent? I mean, if you had to take a test to be a parent, uh, you know, I'd like to think that I'd learned a few things every now and again, but I didn't know shit when it started. Right. You no. learn on the job. Of course. So, yeah. Uh, so there's, there's a level of incompetence there as well. Imposter syndrome. Sort of. Yeah. yeah that's the one. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, you're a great parent, so don't worry too much about that. Uh, I don't know if you're great at your job, but you seem to have been able to hold it down. So you must be doing something right. Nobody's fired me in quite some time. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been fired in a long time either. You know, knock on wood. <laughs> I'm not sure I've ever been fired. Well, it was the first time for everything. There is. All right. Uh, okay. Fear the Walking Dead, season six, episode 14, Jason. Let's dive in. I've got a slightly different title read here. Uh, this comes from Scott in Arkansas. 
Hi Jason, hi Chris, this is Scott from Arkansas with a Pink Floyd influenced title read for this week's episode. Mother, do you think Alicia lives? Mother, do you think they'll kill her off? Thank you so much, Scott in Arkansas, for that. Awesome. So to answer the questions, will they kill Alicia off? The answer is no. Will they bring Madison back? No, I don't really think they'll do that either. And they don't. Yeah, of course not. Of course not, right. Although it's it's the only thing people seem to be able to talk about with this show sometimes is Madison coming back. And then you put out an episode that's kind of about Alicia or stars Alicia and you title it mother. That's why I didn't want to say it last week because it does feel a little spoilery, but of course Madison doesn't come back in this episode. No, she's dead. Well, I don't know about that, but she doesn't come back in this episode. That's all I can say. (laughs) Yeah. I had a feeling now this one, as I said, is all about Alicia or really about Teddy and what his plan is and what he does with Alicia. But to start it off, we go back to the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. We have Teddy in jail. In fact, he's on death row, which I don't know if we knew before, but he is now. No, we just knew he was in jail. We didn't know he was on death row. Yeah, he's on death row. It's the early days of the zombie apocalypse. He's in his cell. There's a news report playing on the TV, which I thought was fun because it was it was a sort of we don't know what's going on type of news report, as in patients are coming into hospitals and attacking their caregivers and things like that. I thought that was fun, but he's in his cell. He's writing down his manifesto that he's been thinking about for a long time that we've heard over the loudspeaker. And we will hear later in this episode. Eventually the jail is overrun with zombies. The cell doors all open and for some reason, well, for some reason, do you think, do you think the guards, decided, you know what, this is all going to shit. Let's just open the doors and let everyone go. No, I think the zombies opened the doors. Maybe they were <laughs> guard zombies because we all know that uh, zombies retain a bit of their memories from when they were alive. So maybe the zombified guard uh, pulled the lever that opened all the doors. Sure. So it was, um, yeah, it was a zombie prison guard who had a little bit of uh, his memories still and it was muscle mm-hmm. memory to press that button. I guess so. Okay. And from what I saw, they did it from inside the uh, uh, the execution chamber mm-hmm. because that's, you know, everybody went towards the execution chamber, then the doors open, then everybody came from the execution chamber. So I don't think the door opening devices are in the execution chamber or anywhere near it. So mm. I think that the fact that these folks were all in the execution chamber and the doors open were a complete and utter coincidence. All right, fair enough. But let me ask you this. How many locked doors do you think are between a death row inmate and the outside world? Um, Is it more than two? I think it's probably more than four. Yeah. 
And they all were open, I suppose. Uh, I guess so, yeah. But once you're out of your cell, though, you might have an easier time getting through some of those additional locked doors, don't you think? No, I think prisons are pretty designed <laughs> to not let that happen, yeah. right? Like once you get through that first door, everything else is a breeze. Uh, I, I should hope not. That's that's not how it works. Yeah, they, they're pretty locked down, I suppose. So, but, you know, you, got, you have to kind of uh, willful suspension of disbelief. Well, anyways... Right? Yeah, so the door's all open, but the thing that I, that jumped out to me, which I, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but at one point, Teddy's in his cell, right? And zombies are around and some of them walk past his cell door, but then one comes in and it's a zombified prison guard, but somehow Teddy knows to stab it in the head Uh because that's the first thing he does when he's attacked, when it's attacking him. Is that a thing that he just knew how to do? Like, is that a thing that characters in the Walking Dead universe knew from day one? I don't feel like it is. Yet somehow he knew. Mm, yep. He doesn't know that information. So He's he lucky. got lucky. There you go. He got lucky. But if I had a pen or a pencil and I was going to stab somebody with it, I don't think I'd go for the head. You go for the neck. You, well, you go for the neck or you go for the chest or you go for the belly, like, uh, you know, Prison stabbings, from what I've seen on TV, mm-hmm. are, you know, lots of little stabs. You know, <laughs> stab, 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 yeah. instead of one, you know, big, you know, completely fatal stab. Sure. So him stabbing in the head uh, is not something he would do, I don't think, and not so something he would know to do. Right. I didn't think about it at all until this moment, but uh, I question it now. Well, that was that was my feeling. It's like, how did he know... How did he know to stab it in the head? Why wouldn't he jab that pen into its neck or or whatever? But in any case, he stabs it in the head, kills it, and takes off. And that's basically our cold open. Open, And I got to admit, I thought it was a decent cold open. I, I do kind of like it when we flash back to the early days of the zombie apocalypse. So I didn't, I didn't mind too. it at all. You know, I thought it was well no, done. No, I didn't either. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was well done. I didn't think... It was a little less the stand than I was thinking it was going to be. Right. Uh, you know, stuck in a prison cell after the apocalypse, not being able to get out. Then all of a sudden he figures out a way to get out. Not the actual uh, zombie infestation of, you know, during the infestation of the prison that uh, things got a little haywire and he got to, he was able to escape. Yeah. I didn't think that was going to happen. So I was glad to see it. Yeah. Well, I thought it was pretty good. And then when we come back after the opening credits, um, we're with Alicia. She's being held in a dark room. She's listening to Teddy's recording over and over again. And this reminded me a little bit about when, or a little bit sort of of when Daryl was a captive of the saviors and he was being tortured by listening to easy street over and over again. Alicia, Alicia's lying there and she has to listen to Teddy talk on a loudspeaker constantly you know, to drive her crazy. So, well, I don't know if it was necessarily a torture mechanism. It was an indoctrination mechanism, right? It was trying to get the words into her head so that they, and not leave a lot of room for anything else to try and brainwash her. Yeah. I don't mean to say it was, they were trying to torture her. It just reminded me of that situation where it was the same thing over and over again. And it was meant to drive Daryl crazy and break him. With Alicia, it was meant to as you said, indoctrinate her and, and get her on, yeah. on their side. Uh, but while she's there, eventually Teddy and Riley come in 
and Riley gets frustrated, points a gun at her. And then this scene really jumped out at me. Teddy puts him in some kind of crotch grab. She No, he grabbed his penis. Like he just like reached around, did a reach around and he grabbed his entire crotch. Well, that's what I meant by crotch grab. Yeah, he, he oh, yeah. subdues him by putting him in a crotch grab. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Uh, like in real life, on TV before, or in this show? Well, all three, honestly. It, I mean, it's I've, pretty I've, unique. I've, I've, is that a thing? Like, is that a technique of subduing someone by grabbing them in the crotch? Like in real life? It, it would, it would be effective, especially if you're coming up from behind. Well, I you know it to, would. If you want to have, be in absolute control of some, somebody, grab their testicles <laughs> forcefully. Okay. They will be submissive. Is this a technique that, law enforcement would use on somebody in real life? Like, is this a no. thing that is done? No. No. A law enforcement would not use this because they would want to do something at range. Uh, to do this, you have to be really close to the person. Right. And they would have, uh, you know, techniques for doing this uh, where they're not close to the person. Being, okay. you know, a taser or a firearm of some kind, uh, or at least some kind of club. Right, where you have uh, a ranged weapon. You don't want to get real close and start grappling with somebody if you have any other option. Sure. Well, that makes sense. So but that- you, you, you skipped over one of my favorite parts of the whole show. Oh, well, what was, was it? Was when, what's his name, came in and said, are you ready to whatever? And she didn't say anything. And then he tossed a can of beans at her and she caught it. Oh, yes, that's right. He tossed it at her and she Caught it perfectly and put it down. Caught it out of the air and put it down perfectly. That was fucking genius. I don't know if it was planned or not planned or just a coincidence in the shooting or whether they had to take 50 takes. I don't care. It was awesome. Well, here's the thing. That's the kind of scene where I would assume it would require a whole bunch of takes until they got it perfectly. But I bet you if you asked them, they'd say, no, you know what? It was just lucky. We did it once and we it was perfect. And then we tried it a few more times and couldn't get it, right? I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would believe either one because, yeah. you know, I've seen videos of things uh, that have happened that have been flukes, like somebody in a, uh, one I've seen recently is a couple of people on a, uh, some kind of either, uh, song or singing contest where you have a panel of judges and somebody comes up and stands up and, and sings yeah. or some other kind of thing. I, uh, I don't think it was apparent what it was, but one of the judges threw a pen at, uh, you know, towards the person that was performing and he just caught it. Just like flink, caught it. Yep. And I've caught, um, I was in French class, oddly enough, uh, way back when I took French, which was a long time ago. We all did in this country for a while. Yeah. Yeah. But I took it in Alberta, which didn't start till grade six, whereas okay. here it started till grade four and it was all a big mess. But anyway, so I was in like grade six or grade seven when I was in this French class and I got an answer wrong and the teacher threw a piece of chalk at me and I just caught it. I mean, I just, yeah, I just put my hand up and caught it. You're not going to get a teacher throwing chalk anymore, but those were back was, in the seventies. It, it was or 80s. Miss, uh, Shellswell. She was awesome. I really liked her. Oh, good. Uh, and, uh, I, she was just being playful, right? She wasn't throwing it at me because I was the asshole kid. She was throwing it at me to be playful. It wasn't a hard toss. She wasn't trying to hurt me. She was just, uh, she was being playful and I playfully caught it. Fair enough. Shit like this happens is what I'm saying. So I would, I would believe that it took 50 takes. I would also believe that it was a complete fluke. Well, yeah, I, I'll bet you they would tell you it was a complete fluke, but it did look cool. I agree. She caught the beans, put them down and it was almost a, like a defiant, put it down. Right. It's like, I'm not eating your beans anymore. Yeah. 
Right. So that tells me, like whether it was a fluke or not, what that tells me is that even though Alicia's lying on the ground or on her mat or whatever it was, listening to Teddy speak through the speaker system for however long that she's been there, uh, it tells me that she's still alert mm-hmm. and effective mm-hmm. and in complete control of her faculties. Yes. Which I think was very important to know. It it plays out through the rest of the episode, right? She never really um, in any way starts to break down and buy into what they're selling, right? She stays uh, she stays adamant adamantly against them the entire episode. Yeah. And that was a good start to it. Uh, I, yeah, but anyways, I was I was just more distracted by the crotch grab than the beans throw. Uh, yep. But you're right; it was a it was a pretty cool scene. All right, so let's talk about Dakota for a minute because Dakota is in this episode a lot. She sh- she shows up pretty soon. Basically, what happens is Teddy decides to go on a road trip with Alicia, but just as they're leaving, Dakota shows up. She hops off a school bus that they say is full of new recruits. And I must admit, I was initially a little bit confused, thinking to myself, what's Dakota doing there? Where has she come from? Why is she there? Last we saw her, if I'm not mistaken, she was still at the dam with Morgan and everybody. Now all of a sudden she's on a school bus getting off in Teddy's community? Yeah, I've, uh, I think I've come to the conclusion that my brain is rejecting her from this episode. Like, I'm just going to, I enjoyed this episode overall, except for the whole Dakota thing. And I'm just going to mentally write her out of the episode. Because uh, she didn't, it didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense why she was there, how she got there, uh, what her real purpose was, other than uh, the standoff that happens later, so that they could have a standoff a little bit later, but there was other ways to do that. Uh, I saw no purpose story-wise for Dakota to be here and it was confusing for her to show up and be immediately brought onto their, uh, onto, onto Alicia and, uh, what's his name's outing? Teddy. Yeah. I, um, I do have a response to that, which I think I will get to because I think in terms of the episode, she was there for a purpose. I don't think it's an especially good one, but at this point while watching it, I was sort of feeling the same as you. Like, what is she doing? Where did she come from? And why is she there? So she she hops off this school bus and she claims that she left Morgan's group right after the explosion at the holding or the fire at the holding. Yeah. And that she went looking for Alicia. She says she followed Teddy's people around hoping she'd find her on one of their supply runs or something like that. She didn't and eventually decides to join them. So I guess she can get closer to the inner sanctum and and try to find Alicia, which I just wish they had indicated on the show somehow. It just feels like they're, they're positioning characters in spots like this willy nilly, you know, just to serve the uh serve the story a little bit which you know i want the story to be good but to have her be in one place you know a couple episodes ago and now all of a sudden shows up here with all this stuff in between that we just have to take her word for it just doesn't feel right yeah it's you know why why is she here because it's in the script 
That's the only so, reason. Well, why isn't it in the script? Because I said so. And then it okay, makes me, then. it makes me start wondering, well, is there more to this? Has she been in cahoots with Teddy's people the whole time? Like we know that she was, of course, uh, Virginia's daughter and she'd been with them a lot. And Virginia was all about, you know, countering these Teddy's group. So, uh, Dakota would have had insight into them or information or knew potentially what Virginia knows. So has she been kind of a double agent or a traitor or whatever this whole time? And is, you know, has she been working with them? I was thinking, is Dakota responsible for that explosion that took place? Remember back at, uh, at the dam, yep. uh, in the Daniel episode. So I just have all these questions, which I'm like, you guys could answer this, but you don't, you just put her there and expect us to kind of go along with it, which sort of bothers me a bit. I don't like it. Yeah, and everybody else showed up at the at the holding all of a sudden as well, right? We got no lead up to everybody else. So maybe that's just a, you know, a uh an aspect of uh this magical place that people just show up uh without any preamble. Right. I don't know. Is it magic? Is it just some kind of magic portal? Oh, I need these people and so they just kind of show up when I need them to to show up seems awfully convenient, but you know, maybe it's a magic portal that draws everybody here. Yeah. Well, that's the thing though. That's the show has in the last few episodes kind of, you know, relied on, relied on convenience and coincidence a little bit too much, right? June running into John Dory's dad immediately after he's dead. Uh, Dakota being here now looking for Alicia because, well, it fits with the, sort of mother themes in this episode, right? Because Alicia lost her mother. Teddy says he lost her mo- his mother. And yeah. Dakota's mother was recently killed. It just feels convenient. And I don't like it when they write things that are convenient and don't explain in some sort of interesting way why we're watching these events or how they came to pass. And I felt like this episode was, you know, another one after a, two or three now that, that have had a lot of those sorts of just convenient moments. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't so happy with it. But what I wanted to say before, when you were saying, why is Dakota here in any way, as the episode goes on, I mean, towards the end, um, Teddy puts Alicia in this bunker, which I think we'll talk more about. But now when you think about it, it means Dakota is the only person who knows where Alicia is and knows what ultimately Teddy is trying to do. So I think the whole point of this episode was to set up a character that has this information and can, I guess, bring it back to Morgan or something like that. Because otherwise, Morgan and gang would have no idea where Alicia was or what was going on. And I feel like they need to know that for what's about to happen next. Yes, except that Alicia radioed this information to uh, Strand. That's true. So, you know, if they needed Morgan to know this information, that was a perfect opportunity to relay it or relay, relay some form of information that will lead to the same result. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I, did Strand, Strand responded. So we know he was on the he other did. end of that walkie talkie. He, we assume he heard her say what she said about, did she, she mention he's going to blow up a nuke? 
Um, I'm not sure that they, we, he told her yet. We should. No, I think he did. We should. We should know that. But right. uh, you're right. Strand should know. The question is whether Strand will. What What will Strand do with that information? Will he take it back to Morgan? Will he act on it, or will he just run away and try to get as far away from the explosion <laughs> as possible? Um, and you're right. I guess that means Strand knows what's going on, but I also think there has to be something to the idea that Dakota also knows what's going on. And maybe it's as terrible as there's kind of a backup or, or they're trying to set up what will Strand do? What will Dakota do? That's the big question, right? We have two more episodes to find out. I don't know. But that's that was the only justification I could find for Dakota being there, that she needed this yeah. information and they gave it to her. Yep. So I, I don't know. I, I felt like she was kind of kind of useless in this one. Um, I must admit, though, the one scene I did like involving Dakota is when they're walking along. Uh, she's walking with Teddy at one point and they're talking about whether or not they feel bad after killing people. And it becomes very, very clear that Dakota has zero remorse for anything she's done, for anybody she's killed. Yep. And I think that was important too. She is clearly too far gone to have a redemption arc on this show. And if they try to ham fist that in, I think I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah. She's fucked over the gang a number of times now. So yeah, she's, uh, well, then, we, then again, Morgan was unredeemable, right? Was he? I don't know if Not he ever Morgan, was. Not Morgan, um, fucking Negan, sorry. Oh, Negan. <laughs> different show, different set of rules, Jason, come different, on. Different, yeah, well, yes, but, you know, uh, given enough uh, plot points, anybody can have a redemption arc, especially before they sacrifice themselves for the greater good. Okay, fair point. I just don't want Dakota to get a, a redemption arc. I actually don't hate the character. I don't hate the actress. I think she's doing a good job. I just, she should be dead already is what yes should, should have happened. She should have been killed almost immediately. She should be dead killing already. killing John Dory. I, I want some consequences for her actions really is what I'm saying. And I feel like so far there haven't been any. So, uh, come on show, give us some consequences for killing everyone's favorite character. Right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's all we want. I think June would have taken her out, should have taken her out like almost immediately. Yeah, agreed. No one would dis. No one would argue with that. I don't think. Yeah, would work. Just like Maggie should take out Negan. I guess so. Yeah, because she's evil now. <laughs> because she's the villain of that show now. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get back to that someday. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to Teddy then a little bit. Now, first of all, I would like to say that I am having a real, real hard time taking Teddy seriously on this show because I don't know if you've noticed, Jason, but to me, his voice reminds me so much of the character of Chester V from Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. Now, that character was voiced by Will Forte, if I'm not yep. mistaken, but Will Forte was doing a voice for Chester V. Uh, whoever plays Teddy... I should have looked up. I apologize. I think that's just his voice and it just reminds me of it. And all I can think of is Chester V when I hear him talk and it, it's kind of ruining it for me. John Glover. 
Oh, John Glover. That's right. Yeah. I don't know if that's just what he sounds like or if he's doing a bit of a voice here, but it it's not working for me. It reminds me of Cloudy too. I don't think, uh, I mean, I enjoyed Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Uh, the second one I didn't enjoy as much and I haven't watched it as closely. Uh, so I didn't pick up on the voice. Well, sounds the same to me and it bothers me. But if I can move past that, uh, what is Teddy doing in this episode? His whole point, I guess, is that he's trying to indoctrinate Alicia by taking her on this road trip. He purposefully takes her back near the stadium where her mother Madison died in the fire. Or was it on purpose? Does he, he knows? I mean, Alicia claims that he would know this because he listened to all the recordings. So that's what he's doing, right? He's taking her back there, appealing to her emotions, trying to manipulate her and get her on board, pretty much. Well, I'm not necessarily get her on board. It's hard to say because it's a typical leader of a, of a cult. It is a, no matter what happens, it's part of the master plan. Whether, you know, he personally knows the plan or whether it's just God that knows the plan, but everything that happens is exactly what he wanted to happen. So he's happy about everything. He wanted to go here to prove that everybody's dead, but they're not all dead. They're actually uh, uh, surviving. Hey, that's great. That's that's even better than what I thought. Oh, and they're evil. That's great. It's even better than what I thought. <laughs> right. And then Alicia p- pulls a gun and shoots them all, or they all die. That's great. That's even better than what I thought. This is all going perfectly. And then she holds a gun to his head and one and and. Uh, you know, she was going to kill him and he said, I know it's great. It's exactly what I think should, should have happened. It's everything, no matter what is exactly what he wanted to happen. And that's very much a, you know, a cult of personality type behavior, but he's all over the map. And you know what? I thought this episode was going to be a complete pile of steam and shit. I was not looking forward to the Alicia and, uh, what's his name? I forget his name already. Teddy's, um, discussions and going back and forth about being indoctrinated. I thought this was going to be awful, but I really enjoyed it. And I like Teddy now. I think he's great. I think he's fantastic. I want him to be on more episodes. Wow. See, I'm going to die, but yeah, I wish he wouldn't. I didn't love it. To be honest, I had a real hard time, um, just staying with this and not just because his voice reminded me of Chester V, but I just felt like nothing happened. And It was just this weird road trip of him trying to get her on board. And then at the end, yeah, like, well, you said he, no matter what happens, he's like, this is great. This is exactly what I wanted. At the end, he puts her in this bunker anyways, regardless. She never, she never turns. She never gets on board with his plan. But the end result for Teddy is the same anyways. That's part of his plan though, I guess. His plan wasn't to make her uh, see his vision, but for her to have her own vision. Then he tucked her away in a bomb shelter so that she'd be fine and she'd rebuild the world. And she says, I'm not going to rebuild it the way you want. And it's like, that's exactly the way I wanted it. Not the way I want. That's <laughs> right. perfect. <laughs> right. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Well, okay. So let's talk about that ending a little bit. He takes her to this new bunker now clarify something for me are we supposed to understand that all of teddy's people are in there and he's like adding alicia to the mix so that she will 
I don't know, survive underground after they detonate the nuke and sort of become a leader of that community? Is that what he's hoping will happen? As far as I know, she's in there by herself. But then where's everybody else? Like, I thought this was the local- They're all going to die. I don't know. She's going to be in charge of the uh, nuked zombies and build a new society based on- uh, you know, irradiated zombies. No, that doesn't. I don't make, know. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, there are people somewhere, and my understanding was this is the new location that they moved from the holding to, and this is where they're going to live for the next X number of years while the surface is recovering from the nuclear detonation. And he's putting Alicia in there because she's some kind of some kind of leader and she's going to create, help create the society that Teddy wants, even though it doesn't sound like Teddy is going to be in there at all. I think he's going to go down with the sub when it explodes. Yes. Right. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking is that he's planning on annihilating himself during the launch of the missile, which doesn't make any sense, but uh, he's planning on dying and that Alicia will be the one to pick up the mantle and rebuild society. Right. And he just sees something in her that he thinks is going to make her want to do this? No, I, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's hard to say because, uh, you know, everything, no matter what, is part of his plan. And I'm putting that in air quotes. So it's hard to tell what his plan was. Maybe he's just a crazy son of a bitch that's going through life trying to, you know, just fucking with shit you know i want to do this i want to do that i don't feel like doing this i'm going to do that you know she i think she's pretty cool i'm going to set her up to be really weird uh you know and he just plays with her for a while and then locks her away and he thinks that's funny well that doesn't seem like enough though that doesn't seem like enough he i don't think teddy is just this ridiculous crazy guy i mean he is but he seems to have some sort of plan he knows what he wants he knows what he's striving for a new society right and he's starting over by wiping everything out on on the surface and creating this new civilization underground which i gotta think will eventually resurface again but then he's putting someone in there who he seems to think has some kind of ability to run or lead the society but also who has never indicated that she is any way on board with him and i guess he feels like she doesn't need to be she'll be in there and just the character uh, the qualities of her character will i don't know rub off and and she'll end up becoming a leader of this new society anyways i don't really understand it that's kind of all i'm going getting at here that's the you know i don't get it i i, I don't think it makes a lot of sense i don't there's not enough here to get quite yet. Yeah. So maybe it'll become clear. Maybe it won't. Um, I really, really want to hopefully rely on our listeners a little bit because maybe if there's more to this that we're not seeing, I would love to, I would love to hear from you and, and see what it is because it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. But basically that's what happens. Uh, they go on this road trip and the, you know, it doesn't, really work out exactly how Teddy wants, although don't ask him that. And then he locks, locks Alicia in this bunker. So, so I don't know. At least I got to steal some random old lady's corpse. <laughs> right. 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 He was attempting to appeal to her and her feelings for her dead mother. 
by stealing a corpse and pretending it was her mother. He kisses that corpse on the lips, man. On the mouth. Yeah, she's long dead. I mean, there's not really any disease there anymore, so that's fine. I, I mean, fair uh, enough, but not fine, fine, but fine-ish. I don't know if, uh, <laughs> where that line is, but he probably crossed it. But it's not totally. It's not. He's not going to catch a disease. Well, I'm not worried about that, but I'm not sure I would want to do that if I were him. But I guess he's dedicated to his uh, ruse here. I guess I don't know. Yeah, if you want somebody on your side. Steal a corpse with them, right? <laughs> They'll be on your side by the end of it. Isn't that the rule? That's the way it goes, right? I guess so, yeah. Steal a corpse. <laughs> yeah, you know, friends help, friends help you move. Real friends help you move bodies. That's the, that's the way it goes, right? Real friends drive you to the airport. <laughs> yeah, that's right? true. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right, well, help us figure that out, everyone, because it didn't make a lot of sense to me. We haven't talked about the fact that Cole shows up again. Uh, when he appeared on screen, Jason, did you remember who Cole was? <laughs> no. No. I had to look it up. Yeah, I didn't really remember either, to be honest. Cole hasn't been around for a few years, but he was, him and Doug and Vivian uh, were some of the people that were back at the stadium with Madison and everybody. Turns out they weren't killed, they escaped, and they've become bad guys. But again, this to me really, really feels like one of the show coincidences that don't make a lot of sense. You know what I mean? Teddy takes her here near the stadium. Does Teddy know that Cole and his people are still alive? Does he know that there is a connection between uh Alicia and these people or is it just a happy accident that happens when they get there it's a happy accident I believe it to be a happy accident except for I didn't understand their motivations they're bad guys and everybody left like they have a good thing going a community and when Alicia asks them how many people are left and he said this is it like it's everybody mm -hmm. so everybody left to find some people to kill like what are their what what are they doing exactly yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. And the, the, the reason this bugs me is because we run into Cole and his people seemingly at random on the road, right? And from there on in, Teddy and Alicia and Dakota are with them the entire time. Yeah. Um, Cole leads them to this auto body shop or car mechanic shop where they are then ambushed by Cole's other people. So here's the question. How did Cole set that up if it was a random encounter? Because if he didn't know he was going to run into Alicia and these people, why would there be an ambush ready at this place? So therefore I start to think, well, he must have known he was going to run into them. And does that mean that Teddy knew he was there and Teddy purposefully set all this up? It just doesn't make any sense to me right if Cole was running into the random how did he set up the ambush and then when they do ambush them in the car mechanic place Doug and Viv seem surprised to see her or sorry they don't seem surprised to see her so they must have known that they were about to see Alicia it doesn't make sense to me I don't get it I, I think you're trying too hard I think that the, the the connection the reasoning the logic that you're searching for does not exist. 
but that's a bad thing. That's a problem. It is a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's why is Dakota here? She's not here. I've written her off. She's not in the show. She's not in this episode at all. It still works, right? And then uh, Cole and all those people, uh, they don't make any sense either. There's a lot here that's not making any sense. We have to focus on, and I've forgotten his friggin' name already again. Teddy. Teddy, what the hell's the matter with me? So Teddy and Alicia, everything else doesn't make any sense. Teddy and Alicia, the whole point is Teddy's trying to get Alicia to, no, it doesn't make any sense either. What's his goal with Alicia? I don't know. It's just to to go on a road trip, steal a body, have some fun, lock her in a thing. Yeah, his goal is to get her on board with his ideas. And then put her into the bunker where the rest of his people are, at least I assume that, so that she can lead them and create this new civilization. Those are his goals. He does not succeed on the first one, which is to indoctrinate her. He does succeed on the second one, certainly against her will. If you remove Dakota from this episode, I don't think it really changes the episode very much, as you said, although... Part of me still believes that they just needed her to have this information for some reason. And if you remove Cole and everybody from this episode, it still works. You could have done this whole episode in 15 minutes. And that sucks. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just bad TV episode making right there because, you know, 60% of the episode is unnecessary. <laughs> and that sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I mean, you could say that about a lot of TV shows, right? Not not everything is plot. But in this case, at least you have to have some kind of semblance of logic. And there's a lot missing. There's a lot of pieces missing in this episode. That's the problem for me. There's just so much missing here that I couldn't really stay on board with it. And uh, the, the maybe the Alicia and Teddy stuff is, is great. That's fine. I mean, if you focus on that, yeah, it's... It's important to the story, but I just feel like you can't do an episode where whatever it is, 20, 30% of the episode is the important stuff and the rest is just kind of coincidental fluff. And that was my biggest well, problem. Yeah. And that's what my, my dad used to say about the world in general. He, he, and I think I've said this before that people are like toothpaste, 10% active ingredient, 90% filler. Right. And I, I fully admit that I'm filler. Like, I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody else, and he wasn't either. He never said what part he was. Sure. And I, I always thought he was part of the 10%, but I don't know what he was thinking. I'm not. I'm not moving society forward in any meaningful way uh, other than procreating. I guess that's it. You know, I'm, am I done? I'm done now, right? You have fulfilled <laughs> your life's goal. <laughs> yeah, that's it. The meaning of life is to procreate. I'm, you know, as long as he's... I just got to get him a bit older and everything's fine. Anyway, that's pretty dark. But uh, what was I saying? Maybe the episode doesn't need more than 40% or 15% information. Well, the rest can just be garbage. I'm arguing that it does. And the best TV shows that are out there don't do this. Uh, and Fear has been good this season. It has been good in season six. But I think the last couple of episodes have really kind of dropped the ball. And I'm not going to say that 
this season is now a failure because of this, because every season has its ups and downs and highs and lows and things like that. But um, I'm a little bummed that the last two here, I don't think have been up to the quality that we were getting for most of season six so far. And sure, that's only two out of 16 episodes and we still have two more and maybe they'll really go out on high. I hope they do. But I just feel like they've dropped the ball a little bit here. And it, to me, to sum this all up, kind of, I felt like this episode was really just moving characters into position. You know, it gets, it gets, it reveals what Teddy is up to once and for all. It, it tells us that Dakota or it, it provides that information to Dakota. So she, maybe she can give it to somebody else and it puts Alicia in this bunker, which Dakota knows where it is. So if our characters are going to survive this nuclear detonation, they probably all need to get into this bunker as well. Yeah. So it puts everybody in position and that's it. It just wasn't done in a very compelling way, in my opinion. You're starting to convince me that maybe this episode was a steaming pile of crap and then I missed it. Uh, maybe. I don't I mean, steaming pile of crap is a pretty strong phrase. Dumpster fire? Could, could we go as far as dumpster fire? It's not really a dumpster fire either. It's more of a, it just kind of smells. It, it just kind of smells. It hasn't lit on fire yet, yeah. but it stinks a bit. Yeah. You know? So, you know, it could be a steaming pile of crap, but at range. So it's at a distance. It just starts uh-huh. just smelling a bit. Or it's a dumpster fire that uh, hasn't really caught on fully yet. It's just like, oh, that smells like garbage. Ooh, it smells like hot garbage. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should do something about that. Maybe next week it won't smell like hot garbage so much. Yeah, nice cold garbage that you can't smell at all. Like frozen garbage. <laughs> the best garbage is frozen garbage, right? Totally. You can't smell that shit. So that's fine. Uh, yeah, perfect. So, yeah, I guess you're right. It could have been better. And at least I've been thinking that, uh, you know, while you were talking and I had I needed something to do, so I started thinking about other things. So I was thinking about... <laughs> Uh, I'm glad I'm so compelling <laughs> when I speak. I needed something to do. I started thinking about cutting the grass next week, you know? Uh, no, no. <laughs> I actually successfully passed that job off to my wife. She's now in charge of cutting the grass. I'm so happy. So happy. Anyway. Well, I need a lawnmower. You don't have an extra lawnmower you want to give me, do no, you? No, I just bought one. Husqvarna. I really kind of like it. Ooh, send me it. I need a lawnmower. I might buy the same one. Okay, I'll see if I can find it. Uh, All right. I, well, <laughs> I got it at a specialty, uh, like a lawnmower shop. I didn't get it at, uh, uh, or maybe I got it at, I think I got it at Canadian Tire. Anyway. Well, listen, we can talk about this offline, but look up the model and send it to me. Okay. Yeah. I'm quite happy with it. One pull, it starts right. every time. Love it. Yeah. Um, what, I forget what I was talking about. Oh yeah. Right. When I was thinking <laughs> about other things. Uh, so I was thinking about other shows. What do they do when, cause not everything is plot, right? Some things are just entertainment. But that stuff that's not plot, that is entertainment, the best shows, that shit is entertaining. When in, in this case, that shit was not entertaining. Right. It was. I don't think it was entertaining. It was a smoldering no. dumpster. <laughs> not quite burning with flames, but just smoldering. That's right. Okay. Got it. Well, that's sad. That's too bad that this episode was a bit of a smoldering dumpster. Uh, we've got two more and... And then for them to redeem themselves. And the one last point I think I wanted to make about this episode is that the Dakota thing where she just shows up and says, I've been doing this for a while. It made me realize that I don't have a good feeling for how much time has passed, like the time frame of when things are happening from, you know, from the explosion 
at the wall to the fire at the holding to when Grace is giving birth and now when this episode is happening. I don't feel like I know how much time has passed. And I, I think that's a failure of the show too. It would be nice to have a better feeling of when things are happening. Has it been four months, you know, since Grace gave birth or has it been two days? I don't know, but I feel like that might help a little bit. Yeah. I, and they pick it somewhere. If you make an assumption, just make it, uh, you know, somewhere between three hours and a year. Right, just That's somewhere a little bit in of a wide range. Yeah, yeah, it depends. In geological time, you know, everything all happens all at once as far as what we've experienced in our entire lives. Right? Yeah, fair. So it's like, it's all happening now. So really, yeah, I agree with you. Ultimately, uh, you know, some kind of, I assume this happens after Dakota is in the last episode. That's all we know. That's all we know. We don't know if it's two days or... 25 weeks, you know, we just don't know. And I feel like she changed her clothes. So it's at least one day. And then she took a bus ride. Let's say that's another day. Uh, Yeah. uh, So two days. It's got to be more than that. I just feel like it would help to know that time frame, and they're not making it clear for us. Yeah. So one more complaint. All right. I'm going to play a call here and then we have an email about last week's episode. First, the call, this comes from Mike in Iowa. Did you see that? Characters who get killed and reanimate as zombies suddenly look like they have been dead for years. This show is doing its best to make it so I don't want to watch it anymore. Why is Dakota still alive? How is the mast of the sub not damaged at all if it was washed ashore during a hurricane? Also, how did Teddy's group in Dallas find the sub 275 miles away? Are we supposed to believe they were that far out scavenging after the hurricane? So many questions for so many dumb show decisions. Keep up the good work on the podcast, because really, it's the only reason I watch anymore. Mike in Iowa. Thanks, Mike in Iowa. Yeah, good questions. I think maybe some of them will be answered in the next two, but I doubt it. Uh, you know, how does the how did the sub get washed up, and why isn't it damaged, and how did Teddy and this group know about it, and all these things. I can only assume they've had some time to figure that out, but we don't have any idea of the time frame, so yeah. good luck. So, remember Shane? In the big show way back when, freaking million years ago, Shane was dead for approximately 10 minutes and he already had big eyebrow ridges, right? Mm -hmm. He he was changing pretty quick. So, and we don't really know the time frame between when everybody goes into the, 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 the execution chamber and how long that took, right? That could have been hours. Could have been a week. Yeah. I don't know if it was a week, but could have been a while uh, because he, uh, Teddy had enough time to get another meal, right? Because he had mm-hmm. a meal tray at that at, uh, after that. So he was writing in his journal. They all went. They gave him another meal. Uh, and then they came back. So there was a, there's a gap there of at least, I'd say, a couple hours. So maybe he changed, the, the guard changed that much over that time frame. I don't know. Yeah. I, it, we, but it's just hard, so hard to say, you know? Yeah. And as far as the, uh, the submarine goes, uh, you know, sure, it, I don't know how a you know, 5 million ton submarine, uh, you know, it's not just, they're not just hollow metal tubes, right? They're pretty fucking packed with shit, right? Yeah. They're probably really heavy. How that would get beached anywhere more than, you know, just getting, you know, sticking out of the water. I don't know how something lifts it up and moves it wherever it needs to go. That's one thing, but you don't just 
turn two keys and the goddamn thing launches, right? You got to fuel the goddamn rockets. Have you ever watched a rocket take off in real time? They don't fuel, they don't put fuel on the rockets until the very last second because that shit is dangerous to have anywhere near each other because it's a binary fuel, right? You put kerosene uh-huh. and oxygen together and you you kind of put them together and I don't know, there could be, or hypergolic fuel, that, that shit's dangerous. So you keep it away from the nuclear weapons. I mean, sure, it's a submarine and, you know, away is a relative term, but you try and keep that shit far away. Then you fuel the rockets, then you launch the rockets. And then you all, but you also have to have the guide and system set where the rockets are going to go. They're missing everything except for the keys, right? <laughs> yes. So, yeah, well, maybe, well, maybe they have the expertise and some extra fuel because, you know, liquid oxygen, unless it's perfectly sealed, uh, it's going to evaporate. Uh-huh. It's, it's going to evaporate. Maybe they'll well, have the uh, the rocket fuel, which is essentially, you know, a refi- refined form of kerosene, you know, in my layman's terms. But uh, that, that shit kind of bleeds off too after a while. Yeah. Look, I don't think, <laughs> I just don't think the show is going to worry about those details. Uh, it, it, I did find it kind of dumb that Teddy said we're going to launch a missile. No, you're not. You're just going to explode a nuclear device. Like you're not going to launch anything. He said he's going to launch. That's what those keys are for. You know, it'd be really bad design. if the keys detonated the nuclear device. It's like, okay, to these, you know, the, the, the captain and the, uh, the first officer or whoever, uh, you know, they're on opposite sides of the room and they both turn their keys at the same time. And the sub fucking blows up. It's a bad design. (laughs) Terrible design. (laughs) Okay. So he's going to launch What's he going to do? He's going to launch a nuke straight up in the air and hope it comes straight back down. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You need guidance, right? Right. And nuclear, um. nuclear submarines. Okay. I'm picking it apart already, but nuclear submarines are not, are designed to launch from underwater. Like they used to right. have to surface, but they don't anymore. They launch from underwater. They, uh, so the fact that the sub is on land is probably bad. They probably, uh, probably. Well, they might be able to launch while they're surfaced because I think that would be, you know, a good thing if they're thinking, okay, does it have to be submerged? What if it happens to be on the surface at the time? Do you have to go down underwater first? What if it's in port and it's, uh, you know, an emergency situation and we need to launch them and there is nowhere to submerge? Uh, let's design it so you can do both. So, okay, I'll give it that. I, I'm just, the more we talk about this and the more I think about this whole idea, the dumber it gets for me. And I, I'm upset about that because I have liked this season so far. Everything leading up to where we are now, pretty much, I think has been pretty good. But this whole idea of launching the nuke seems dumber and dumber the more we talk about it. Yeah. And I just hope it doesn't end up ruining, <laughs> ruining what is being a pretty good season, you know? And I'm, I'm worried that it's going to because, God, it just sounds so stupid now. Maybe the keys are just uh, to get into the, uh, the missile room, right? They, you know, the, you know, the yeah. honest-to-God door with a key hole on it, and they need these keys to get in there. And then somebody climbs up, maybe Teddy himself, climbs up to the, uh, the tip of the nuclear device and opens up the cone, and there's like four or five nuclear warheads in there. He takes a hammer and he whacks one on the top. Because that's how nukes explode, right? You whack them that right on the tip. Make more sense to me. It's not how they, they explode. They, well, they either yeah, air burst or whatever they do, but 
they don't you don't they don't go off by whacking them on the tip but why not but but is it any crazier than what we think is going to happen they're actually going to launch a missile somewhere and you know missiles fly pretty far you know he could end up nuking alaska which doesn't help him at all yeah they got some range on them i would say i don't know if it would go that far but uh probably well, pretty you know these subs are meant to get real close to where they need to launch them they're not like super far that's away that's true you know, it's, it's those land-based ones that are really big that are, you know, ICBMs. These ones are right. kind of, you know, little hoppers that go, you know, I need to go about 50 miles that way. Okay, fine. Maybe. So maybe he's going to nuke somewhere 50 miles away from wherever that sub is. Yeah. So then, okay, what they'll need is rocket fuel, right? The ability to mm-hmm. know how and to fuel the rocket. They'll need uh, somebody who specializes in n- nuclear missile guidance. Uh, they'll need an expert in, cause it's not probably just a, you know, turn the two keys. There's probably a whole other shit that you have to do to make sure. Like even in a car, you got to step on the brake before you turn the key or you're messing it up. Right. right? <laughs> so yes, there's true, you know, uh, launching a nuclear weapon probably at least has that one extra step that you don't think about <laughs> to just turn the key. <laughs> to launch this nuclear weapon, please step on the break before turning the key. What happens? I know that in the push button cars, if you don't step, if you don't step on the brake, you, cause your car probably has a push button start, right? It does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but I don't know what would happen if I didn't step on the brake and I turned the key. So it's in my car, it's, it turns on the power so you can have like the radio and the windows operate, but the engine doesn't come on. It's, uh, it's like turning the key part way in an older key car so you can turn on the power yeah. but not the engine my car might start because i have that uh, i have a remote start from the key fob right i can press a series of buttons that starts the car from 50 feet away or whatever it is oh. so and i don't have to step on the brake and then go 50 feet away to start the car right so right my car might start probably not there's probably a safety anyways how does a car know I, uh, well that's in the key but anyway yeah i'm gonna try it i tried tomorrow try it figure it out Okay, I have one more email here. This is about last week's episode more than anything, but I wanted to read it. This comes from Tallahassee's twin brother, and he says, I'm loving the Walking Dead Extended Universe Big Bang Chronology Synchronization Theory, or T-W-D-E-U-B-B-C-S-T, as I shall now refer to it. Of course. The surviving team, I assume we will have to lose someone, maybe Daniel, John Dory Sr., are in the bomb shelter slash vault and stay underground after the blast, as you say, synchronizing timelines across the three shows. Unbeknownst to them, the fallout isn't as serious as they think. This series could end with a cliffhanger where time has passed and the door is opened by an outside entity, with Morgan open-mouthed in shock as he realizes who has opened it. The first episode of the next series, that would be season seven, reveals who it is. And I believe that for the story arcs to combine, this would have to be CRM Rick Grimes. The whole combined story will be about integrating the two shows leading to the reunion of Rick and Judith via a final confrontation with the bad elements of the CRM. And TV show rules state that Negan has to die somehow, perhaps in a suicidal heroic moment, perhaps with Maggie or saving her. What do you think? 
<laughs> so what do you think, Jason? We, we, we lock everyone in a bunker, a nuke goes off, there's a cliffhanger, the door opens. That was my theory. Yep. And then the shows are synchronized. But Tallahassee's twin brother says the door opens and guess who's standing there? But Rick Grimes, who we know was taken away and is with this group who is now with the CRM and bring it all back together for season 11 of Walking Dead, season seven of Fear and season two of World Beyond will be done by then, but whatever. Uh, the only problem with that is, okay, I like that idea, but the only problem with that is that assumes that the entire Rick Grimes movie trilogy was a ruse. No, the Rick Grimes movie trilogy could take place within the six year or whatever time jump that fear is about to experience. So we know that Rick doesn't die in that, you know, if it happens within that time boxed element, we know that Rick Grimes doesn't die. Yeah, I think we know that Rick Grimes doesn't die, but that's not the end of the world. No, because, you know, we've had, you know, Better Call Saul as a prequel and, you know, I don't think it's any kind of spoiler to know that fucking Saul Goodman's not going to die in that show before he gets on Breaking Bad. Yeah, he's in Breaking Bad, then he goes back and does Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul is arguably a better show and Breaking Bad is an amazing show to start. Yeah, I think it's pretty definitive in my mind. Better Call Saul is better than Breaking Bad. Yeah, but they're both amazing and that's, they are. that helps, that makes it work, right? But whatever, if the Rick Grimes movies end up being amazing, they're still amazing stories that we're going to watch someday. Okay. Uh, they're actually in production now. They're filming, so that's exciting. That's movement. That's great. Yeah. It, are, yeah, yeah. Are they being, uh, are, they, are they being directed by Vince Gilligan? Because that'd make <laughs> them awesome, right? Because, well, they, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That'd be the best. Anyways, fun theory, Tallahassee's twin brother. I kind of hope it's true. I have no idea if even the whole nuke goes off time jump thing is true, but I'm starting to think it might be a thing. Um, So yeah, we got two more episodes of fear this season to find out. Surely. Now that's it for this episode of the podcast, everyone. But speaking of the next two episodes of fear, the walking dead, we got something funny happening here, Jason, okay. because there is no new episode of the show next week. That's they funny. Are taking, they, it is. They are taking a break for, I guess, the U.S. Memorial Day holiday. So episode 15 of Fear will not come until June the whatever. I It's not the next Sunday, but the one after. So... Um, we actually won't have a new episode of Fear to watch and talk about next week. We will have the week off. June 6th. Uh, uh, is that what the date is? June 6th? It's a Sunday, yeah. Okay, so that's when the next episode is, because the next Sunday is uh, the very end of May? Yep, May yeah, like 30th. That. Okay, so there you go. No episode on May 30th, and then we'll get one on June 6th. What should we do in the meantime? Should we just take the week off yeah. or, yes. or, or, or was I thinking we should watch Army of the Dead and talk about that? Oh, we should do that too. We should do both. We'll take the week off and talk about Army of the Dead. I'm not sure that how, how that works, but fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I'll, I'll do either one. I'll, I'll be okay with either talking about Army of the Dead next week or, cause I've seen it already. So there's mm-hmm. that, or we can wait until after fear is over, but fear runs right into something else, doesn't it? 
Well, actually, we don't know for sure yet. We kind of thought fear would run into season two of of World Beyond, but you'd think they would have announced that by now with only three weeks to go. Well, two weeks, but a, a skipped week. So I, I don't know. We might there not have another some... chance for a while. So let's do Army of the Dead next week. I, I think so. Yeah, I would I would like to do it um, because I haven't watched it yet. I want to watch it and I have a feeling I might want to talk about it. So next week on the podcast, we're going to talk about Army of the Dead, the Zack Snyder movie that is on Netflix right now. So if you've seen it or you're planning to watch it, by all means, and send in some thoughts or comments on that. I, I'm, I'm excited to watch it. I hope, you know, people have some thoughts on it. So we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and then when we come back the week after, it will be episode 15 of Fear. And then the week after that, of course, the season finale, which is called The End is the Beginning. And we'll have to see where we end up there. So good stuff. Um, that's going to do it for this podcast in the meantime to talk about army of the dead or fear by all means send in your emails and voicemails to the show so we can get them on here to do a voicemail go to talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on send voicemail at the top which will allow you to record a message and send it to us or send your emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com you can also find us on facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead all right, next week, Army of the Dead. Until then, everyone, thank you so much. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.